Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. We had some cracking studio guests in today. Very much enjoyed their company. We kicked off chatting to uh, a young middleweight boxer called Hamza Shiraz. He was on good form. Remember that name. He's got fascinating stories. Had an interesting bit of sparring with a pop superstar. And uh, he's going places. His record is impressive. So it's good to see him. Marcus Waring is a chef, restaurateur. I loves his boxing, big football fan. He's a culinary superstar. He is. He's got a new telly series. We chatted about that. He was on very good form. And Tony Gale popped in, formerly of uh, Fulham, West Ham and Blackburn. And he's got his autobiography out, and uh, that was very entertaining as well. Poking me with sticks as usual. Of course he was, yeah. yeah an easy target. So, and we had a chat, so uh, probably a bit longer than usual, but here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Let's get that out of the way for well, goodness very, sake. very important. It's not bot the show. I hope Forrest signed Davis and Sanchez before Saturday's game with Ben. <laughs> he's not been playing that badly, yeah. actually. There's a couple of players linked to moves today, and Hoybier has been coming on in games for Tottenham and has been doing well, settling things down, experience. And, it, you know, I take it that Christian Eriksen's mm. putting a good word with Ten Hag. Um, so maybe that's why they're they're looking to do that deal. And yeah, Davison Sanchez, I wouldn't be at all sorry if he stayed in the squad. There's others I'd rather see go out. But uh, yes, yeah, it's interesting with United. There's no question. I've said this might happen. Their ownership issues have really cost them in this transfer window. They're kind of scrabbling about. Whereas if the, if Sheikh Jassim or Sir Jim, especially Sheikh Jassim, he would have splashed the cash. They could have looked at. Players that they really need for, you know, like Casados or Rice or yeah. that sort of thing. Well, know. it has just dragged on so yeah. much, hasn't it? It's been very, mad. Very enjoyable weekend's football, actually. Uh, Friday night at the bridge. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, Chelsea were all right. Not too bad. They did what did you make of to... Luton in the flesh? I thought Luton were all right. They, they boxed the box. Between the two boxes, they played well. They kept the ball well. Hmm. Surprisingly, surprised me how technical they were. But then, because I thought they'd be a bit more up and at him. But in the box and, you know, defending and attacking, they didn't really do much. So in the end, Chelsea did what they had to do. And then on Saturday at Brentford, that was a, <laughs> it wasn't a bad game. Um, it was funny when the the rain came on. Poor old Roy's. The Buffon's gone very flat. Yeah. <laughs> really did he had a bit of a Mason Mount when his hair got wet, didn't he? All sort of flattened. He had a bit of a... What we, you saw what Roy would have looked like with a fringe. <laughs> Talking of Roy, this chat, I had a nice chat with this old boy before the game and he said to me... Uh, he said, do you remember Roy Bentley? He was the Chelsea <laughs> captain in 1955. Late 50s, yeah. yeah. God, blimey. So I said, yeah, yeah, I remember Roy Bentley. Because he always used to, he was a, 
Yeah. He, he lived a very long time. and he, he I met of, him a few times. He was a lovely man. Lovely he, man, yeah. He would come back and do stuff when I was working. That's right. Yeah, and lovely guy. Anyway, he said, uh, oh, yeah, he used to live, I used to live in Ealing. He said, and he lived in a three-bedroom semi owned by the club. He said, and not only that, he said, I used to see him queuing up for fish and chips. <laughs> so you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo queuing up for fish and chips. <laughs> if you've got footballers, big footballers now doing <laughs> things that footballer would, footballers would have done in the old days. Incredible. Do let us know. I mean, just yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo queuing up for fish and chips. That would be great, mm. wouldn't it? It would. I imagine Cristiano will put in an advance order. He doesn't eat fish and chips. He'd, pho- he he'd phone not, up not, first. You haven't got any... Uh, not with that body. <laughs> that body's never seen a battered fish, yeah. <laughs> I'd say. Do you think they just say, look, <laughs> Cristiano, that was a good goal the other day. I've slung in some bits for you, slung in a few extra little bits. You've got a battered sausage in there for the kids. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? I can't see it. So, I've had this theory for a very long hmm. time about goals being scored when a player... I don't know the statistics, but you know when a player goes down injured in the box and the ref goes, play on, yeah, defender. How often is a goal scored? We saw it on Saturday with Calvin Bassey when, when Arsenal scored their second goal. He was sort of writhing about in the penalty area and they scored. Yeah. It's, it's a really odd. It happens so often there. I suppose it's just disruptive and takes away your player, takes away your concentration. Something yeah. happens, but there you go. I was wondering whether, I mean, has the generation gone that would mean that Calvin gets called Shirley in the dressing room? I'd say As so. I've said before, one of the older coaches, <laughs> That's definitely not or happen. the kit man, the bloke who's in his 50s or whatever, yeah. started calling him Shirley and getting a thousand yard stare from the rest of the players. <laughs> Why are you calling him Shirley? Why have you done that? She's Even still around Calvin. though, Shirley. Oh, yes, yeah, still very much with us but I'm just yeah. saying she's you know she's um, she's maybe not on the radar of some of the kids that he plays no, I'd alongside say she's the one anybody's radar <laughs> is really he called under Shirl? the age of about 50 He's, maybe somebody could let us know from the dressing room and a cheese in Spain has gone for a world record that is the big story in Spain at the moment well yeah. hang on oh okay fair enough <laughs> hang on <laughs> hang on hang on hang on a minute no please hang on <laughs> a cheese in Spain has been sold for a world record price of uh, 30,000 euros for a 2.2 a gram kilogram, not gram. A gram kilogram. <laughs> 2.2 grams would be good, wouldn't it? That's very expensive. Just one day. <laughs> would you just read the sport, not the news, I'm not letting you not letting you loose on the news, but on the sport, I Andy. can read it because I'm always trying to get it in quickly. So if I take my time, I'm faultless. Okay. Anyway, at the end of this incredibly long story that was not worth the thing I've written, did the auctioneer plant a kiss on the winning bidder? Thank you very much oh, okay. well, that was really worth it wasn't it <laughs> i mean i mean it is the kind of archetype of well that escalated quickly mm. we've gone oh, from God, we've ridiculous. gone from a kiss after a world cup final all the fallout mm. now um somebody's mum uh, hold out in a church on a hunger strike ridiculous the Just, whole thing's ludicrous and I mean, the, B- could have been, the bbc put up a picture of zabaleta which is not surprising really because he they do look him and rubialis do look very I bet similar zabaleta's delighted at that, oh, no, he's not he? delighted but i mean have you seen if you look at both uh, the two of them yeah it's like the same but, face i mean that's normally if you put a picture up of someone you have a look at the caption well i'd say you would first you? yes i really you would I mean, really somebody normally would have done their homework especially on a story yeah. like that but it's an absolutely mad story and it's you heard from Sam Hunter yeah. with Sam and, and uh, Simon earlier on. And if anything does break this afternoon, I mean, it, you, you kind of wonder what turn this story is going to make. It could have been dealt with oh, I mean, so much a million better. times It's completely better. ruined this girl's best day of her exactly. life. You know, it's undermined and, a, a fantastic legacy for women's football in Spain. It's a big 
turning point for Spain about what they like as a society. It's a big yeah. thing, this. And uh, the black, but just these attitude is just chronic, isn't it? I mean, you know. Well, you're doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling mm. down. He's done everything he can, but I think he's he's run out of road, isn't he? Effectively, I'd now. Say so, yeah. you would expect some kind of announcement uh, very soon, but a begrudging one. Uh, anyway. Coming up today, um, we're going to be... So we are interested in footballers doing now what footballers did in the old days, because you do. I mean, you know, you, they used to yeah. go for a pint after the match. Yeah, that's, why, players... that's what I told this player. Cliff Jones used to go for a pint with the Well, fans. they all did. Yeah. They used to basically go into the corner pin. They're, 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 you know, the sort of double-winning mm. team, you know, at the top of their game. They'd all leave the ground, even later than that. They'd all pop over the road. Then Cliff would get the bus home. <laughs> so he'd be with the fans. Imagine going upstairs on the bus, mm. so on the way back to turn around and saying... That was a good goal, Cliff. Well played today. You know, yeah. it'd just be Liverpool three-one or something. It's mad. <laughs> yeah, bonkers. You just cannot the, imagine that now, can you? The Neymar on the tube. Yeah, <laughs> just on, on the way back, sitting there reading the paper. <laughs> yeah, well played today, Neymar. Um, anyway, talksport.com, Text eight ten eighty nine. Tweet TSH and J. Uh, doing now what they did back in the day. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This comes in from G in Liverpool I was once queuing for a train ticket to Sydenham uh, train station and looked up to see what was taking so long at the ticket machine and lo and behold there was TalkSport's very own Alan Pardew struggling to get an off-peak single to London Bridge wouldn't see Christian Aldor doing that in the words of Big Al no, probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't so the stars of today doing stuff they used to do back I mean Alan's quite grounded though He's he, he was on the windows years ago he used to put windows he was a he was a Oh, I thought you meant our Alan, Alan no, Brazil. No, not, I, I can't He's see. not ground and he never did windows. <laughs> I, can't see, I, I, I can't see Alan uh, Brazil up a skyscraper putting windows in the massive... Yeah, when he's next on, when he's on with Majestic, yeah. get Alan telling you his stories of being on the windows. <laughs> the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. And there's Andy Northcote there, okay. former Italian international cricketer who uh, batted non-stop for over 50 hours. Ian Sistine Chapman. <laughs> Uh, you want to tally Jim, Jim Laker Como <laughs> oh come on please come on let's have <laughs> let's have your Italian cricketers surely we've done this before probably we have <laughs> who was the what was the first one you gave Ian Sistine Chapel okay oh that's and good Jim Laker Como that's all you've got, is it? Well, I mean, well, it's not yeah, bad. Well, I was only doing it one week. Top of your know. head. Yeah. No wonder you weren't listening to the guest. Well, I was listening to it. That's very <laughs> <So>, <laughs> It's great, isn't it? I knew. I wonder, he was just sort of staring into space. Like, What's he thinking about? Has he, left, has he left the gas on or something? He had that look on his face. Now I know. Very harsh. If you want to add to the list, um, talksport.com forward slash HJ text to 81089 tweet to TSHJ. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. It's always great when you meet a boxer and they haven't got a mark on them. I know, it's a good all sign. Those, going back all those years to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard when he oh, came yeah. in and saw us. He looked fantastic. Hamza Shiraz has joined us fresh from another victory at the weekend on the uh, Usyk Dubois undercard. Hamza, good to see you. Likewise. Yeah, um, Sugar Ray came in and you'd never, you never looked at him, you wouldn't have thought he'd had a, bo- he'd had a fight in his whole life, would no, you? No, it was incredible. just ridiculous. <laughs> it wasn't a mark. But yeah, you, so you came through it unscathed, thankfully, all good. Yeah, no, it, was, it went well. It went well a lot better than I, than I anticipated it to go. Um, the game plan was actually to, to take him out there between round six to ten, but yeah, I wasn't complaining when I got it over in the second round. Yeah, I mean it's always difficult. That I mean, all boxers say the same thing: if they get it over quickly, never mind and wanting rounds, needing rounds, going deep into fights, you've got to do what you've got to do, haven't you? Yeah, no, a million percent, a million percent. Um, it was just what it was. Was I went in there, done done what I had to do, and then when it. When it went over that quick, when he went down in the first round, I kind of thought, all right, cool, I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to take my time a bit. And in my past fights, if you see 
when I knock my opponents down. I'm always rushing to get them out of there, but then I threw a few more shots, and before I knew it, it was down again. So it was kind of kind of the easier thing to do. So yeah, you you done your own work on this guy. You were saying you're expecting it go go on longer than it did. Yeah, he's if I've done a lot of research on him to be fair, because when I first got uh, proposed the fight, I didn't really know who he was, mm. and then I done my research and then found out he was top class with WSB. He had a brilliant amateur background. He was a head of the Ukrainian Olympic team. Uh, never been stopped, never been dropped, nothing like that. And wow. then that's I got, good. Yeah, it's good. So it's definitely my best win to date. And he would have had the home support. I know it was in Poland, but then big Ukrainian crowd. So were they all up against you? Yeah, no. I remember on the ring walk when they announced his name because he walked first. The roar of, of his Ukrainian crowd gave me goosebumps, and I was behind the curtain, and I thought, "All right, cool. Here we, here we go. I'm yeah, in for right. I'm in for a real fight here." That's good. But then, now uh, as soon as I got in the ring. That was it. Everyone um, went a bit silent. Quite a lethal jab you have on you, looking yep. at the replay of the fight. Yeah, and I'm 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 a left-handed orthodox, okay. so that's why my jab is is my strongest punch. And a lot of research on fighters like um, Oscar De La Hoya, he was the same. Um, he was a left-handed orthodox, and it'd be silly of me not to use use my advantages. You know what I mean? Six mm. foot, six foot four, yeah, long reach. Yeah, too. six yeah. foot four at, at one hundred and sixty pounds. And yeah, just slowly perfecting my craft. So, mm. what was your route into boxing, then, Hamza? Uh, what it was was my uncle was a boxer. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, uh, eight or nine-time national amateur champion back in the days. And then uh, I used to actually play football um, over in Loughton when I was younger. And then I remember at the time the goalkeeper uh, Paul Robinson he come down. Yeah. He, was do- he was doing an open day, and I was just following him around. And we walked, ended up walking into a boxing gym. And I saw the number on the wall, and then that was it. Ever since then, that, the next day I went to the gym, eight years old, a little boy, and then since then I never looked, never looked back. So you've got to thank an ex-Spurs goalkeeper yeah. for, getting you, <laughs> for getting you into boxing as an Arsenal fan. I know, as, as an Arsenal fan, as ironic as <laughs> it sounds. But yeah, he was, um, it was at his peak, and that's when he scored that... Um, Go against, the, Wat- that, against Watford, yeah. Yeah, that was, that, was, that was him at his, at his peak. So yeah, it was a good, um, good, little, good little backup story, that. So that was your... But you were a keeper, were you, when you played football? Uh, no, I was actually centre mid. Oh, OK. I used to play centre mid um, when I was younger, and I used to love it. I used to, I used to do a bit of everything, a bit of football, a bit of cricket. My old man used to be a professional cricketer. He used to play for Gloucestershire. Um, so I was doing everything, but then I managed to pick boxing. What was it that sort of took you over the edge then? I mean, were you better at that than the other sports? Cric- or was it, you cricket know? actually come natural to me. I think right. that was my first ever sport, left arm fast. I always used to uh, pl- practice nets with my old man. And um, I think it was just being a young kid getting... I remember my first sparring session and um, I made uh, the, other, the other kid's nosebleed. And I think that's what the gate kind of gave me like, okay, I'm really, I enjoy this. As, as savage as it sounds, as a, being an eight-year-old kid, normally you shy away from that stuff. But it kind of... It drew me back to it, and then I remember the smell of the bags and whatnot, and all the little things, just learning and learning. And before you know it, you're four, five, six years deep in a sport. Yeah. Are you allowed to do other sports? I mean, I don't mean allowed by boxing, but I mean your training and your regime, or do you have to really just concentrate on boxing? What it was, I've, about three, four years ago, I was still playing five-a-side football, and I never used to listen to my coach. I used to, I always used to think, yeah, whatever, it don't really matter, it don't really matter. Then I ended up tearing my meniscus, and I had to get—I yeah. need to get an operation on my knee, and it to get to, I had about a year and a bit out of out of boxing, and then then I thought, yeah, you got coaches for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> good. Do you miss it? Do you miss not being able to have a kick around now and again? Uh, I do, I do, because it it was something that switched off switched me off mentally from boxing, mm, yeah, of and course. it gave me a break and just allowed me to be social again, remind me of back when I was a kid and back when I was back. Back when I just had, when I was stress free almost, 
But um, yeah, maybe when I retire, I'll be back at back you know, on you the pitch. Take up golf or something like that. I play a bit of tennis. Oh, yeah. Play yeah. a bit of tennis. Yeah, golf I've tried, but I ain't got the patience for it. You'd have the hand eye, obviously. You'd be able to do that, but yeah. it's just yeah. It. Uh, what's the point then, Hamza? Where you think you start to think, okay, I'd, yeah, this this could be a profession. This could be my life. Was there a kind of turning point where you started to take it very seriously? The t- uh, as cliche as it sounds, the turning point for me was actually when I turned pro. It wasn't amateur because my amateur it was a, it was a decent career. I had about hundred hundred odd fights, boxed for England, um, reached a few national finals. Uh, uh, I had a good fought for all the best kids, fought all over Europe, mm-hmm. done what I had to do in the amateurs. And it mm-hmm. come to a point where I was just fighting for the sake of fighting. I didn't care if I won. I didn't care if I lost. So you should turn up. And then, uh, then I then I had the opportunity to do uh, an electrical apprenticeship, and I was doing that for a bit. And I was working in Chelsea. I remember an apartment. And then I just thought, listen, I've had enough of this. I need to get back in the gym. <laughs> yeah. so I went to the gym and ended up sparring some pro boxers. Then they asked me to come sp- uh, in their ca- uh, come to their camp as a sparring partner. And then I had a few pro fights. And then until I started knocking people out, that was when it was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this serious now. Mm. And what's, they often say that transition from pro to amateur is, is can be quite a difficult one, but it sounds like it, it wasn't from your point of view. No, it wasn't because I always had my eyes set on being a pro fighter. But if you saw me at 18 years old, I looked about 11. I, 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 I had no, no facial hair, nothing like that. So fighting, I remember journeymen used to look at me like they were going to just eat me up and, yeah. and whatnot. But it kind of worked into my in my favour. Yeah. So that's, say, 18 and 0 um, now, which is, um, was it 18 or 19 now? That was, was 18. 18. 18 at the weekend, yeah. okay. And so 14 by sort of stoppage on knockout. Yep. So. We got the fights mapped out. The next few fights. Uh, hopefully, I want to be back out again, maybe in December. Uh, we'll see where it goes, and even maybe early next year. I saw today. I saw online that there's talks of Fury and Usyk, maybe early next year. So, if I can get on the undercard of that, whether that be here in Saudi Arabia, or wherever it, mm. wherever it may be, I think that would be a brilliant card to get on. Yeah. So after a fight, do you have a few days off or a week off? How does it go when you've you've had a? It's, that's for me. That's the hardest period. I know most boxers they talk and they go, "Yeah, we go on holiday, we do this, we do that." But after being in regime for twelve weeks, it's almost the day after your fight you're lost because you yeah, have nothing to do. Yeah, sure. Normally, you don't need to get up at six a.m. You don't need to have breakfast at a certain time. You almost got so much freedom, you don't know what to do with it. But um, yeah, I just take. I just I'm hopefully going to go on holiday next week. Just take my time and. Then I'll be back in the gym. What What are the fights that you you cover? Then what would you like to do in your division? Who are the fighters you'd like to take on? To be To be fair, any anyone anyone really. But I will be going to the um, Eubank Junior and Smith fight this weekend. Mm. It's, a, it's a fight I've got my eyes on. Uh, whether that be end of next year or if I can get the winner whenever whenever that may be. And there's loads of fights. Obviously, you've got the Denzel Bentley fight in the division. We're both under Frank Warren. That's a fight that makes sense. But ultimately, I'm in this sport to win world titles and. I've got my WBC ranking and my world ranking's gone a lot higher on BoxRec now as well. So that's all I'm in the sport for, to chase down these world titles and be, be the best in the 160 division. Yeah, we were talking the other day about the Smith-Eubank fight. I mean, do you see do you see a different uh, outcome? I know Liam doesn't. Uh, we spoke to him the other day. Um, do you see it being any different this time? To be fair, I don't. I don't. I see it going exactly how it did the first fight. Maybe Chris, Chris Eubank will last a bit longer, but I see him getting stopped in later rounds. Although the first fight, if you ask me, I thought Chris Eubank was just going to box his ears off. But obviously, I, 
I got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, Chris Junior was saying that he felt the ref jumped in too early, but I mean, I, I couldn't quite see that. Watching it back again the other day, he was, mm. he was all over the shop, wasn't he? And sometimes refs get stick for letting fights go on too long, and that, that didn't look right, did it? I think he no, was right he, to step he, in. He was all over the place. His yeah. legs, his legs weren't there, and I think the referee definitely made the correct decision. Yeah. Now you've um, you've sparred with Justin Bieber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did how did that happen? But Last day of camp, it was about uh, a month ago. Mm. It was the last day of my camp in LA. And I finished up my session and then my coach, Ricky, yeah, he got a phone call. And he goes, yeah, yeah, come down now. And I go, who's that? He goes, oh, just Justin Peeber. I was like, what? <laughs> and he goes, um, yeah, he's going to come down. Um, just wait if you want to meet him. You can have just that, take a little picture of him and whatnot. I thought, all right, cool. So he's coming down the gym and there's no one to spar. And he come and he goes, I want to spar. Right. And I was like, I don't mind sparring you. So first my cousin actually got in with him, my younger cousin. And um, he didn't know how to take it easy, so he was taking, taking like, lump, trying to take lumps out of him. <laughs> so I had to stop it. I had to, I had to stop him there. I had to start. I said, "Listen, you get out. I got. Let me help him move around with him." Wow. So I had to get in. I done about three, four so rounds. It's all like dancing. Is that when you with what? somebody like that? You just dance. Yeah, you just. Yeah. I, to be fair, I put my hands up and just let him punch, punch me. Yeah, to be yeah. fair, <laughs> for them, it's, for them, it's almost more of a stress relief. You can imagine how hectic their lives yeah, are yeah. and whatnot. So he just does wanted, he do a bit then? Is he, he, is he I, into I, it? I tell you what, I was very, I was pleasantly surprised. I was quite quite shocked. To be fair, he can fight. He's that he can actually if fight. He, if he caught you, that reflex though. You yeah. Know, to actually, you know. No, I, had to, I, I had to control myself. He's yeah, about yeah. he's about half my size, so. I couldn't really feel any of the punches, but um, it was it was more of a it was more just an opportunity just to rub shoulders with him. To be fair, and yeah. Was he a nice guy? Was he? Yeah, no, really yeah. nice guy. Really, a really nice guy. Really once you got, yeah. got your cousin out of the ring, he was a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, imagine that he's just about to go on tour, and your cousin sort of laid him out. His nose is all over his face. Man, claret everywhere. That's why I had to get him out. I go, listen, I go, just stop, stop, get out, get out. It was quite the experience to be. Yeah, brilliant. and uh, just finally on, on Arsenal, are you, are you feeling good about life as an Arsenal? It's been it's been a, a decent start, yeah. and they had plenty of chances the other day, didn't yeah. they? And, and it could have been a different game. They could have won that game. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. Um, hopefully, I'll be going to the game on Sunday against Man United with with Frank, and yeah, hopefully we get a good, good hopefully we get a good result. Yeah, good stuff. Well, look, lovely to see you. Continued success. Do come and see us again. Hundred percent. Thanks and for having me. Almost certainly, if KSI or the Paul brothers were listening, they're going to be calling out Justin Bieber. <laughs> they got their eye on the main <laughs> chance. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, Hams. All the best. Thank you very much. Pam's a there, British uh, light middleweight boxer and uh, Arsenal fan. Yes, 18 and 0. Uh, look out for him in future. And don't forget, we have got the Eubank Jr. Liam Smith fight live and exclusive on TalkSport this Saturday evening. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Marcus Waring. Return to our screens on uh, Towers from a Kitchen Garden on BBC Two. He's a big sports fan as well, and he's with us in the studio. Marcus, hello. Hi, good afternoon. Good, good to, to be here. Good to see you. Yeah, I yeah. saw I saw the show. This is the second series, isn't yeah, it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, And 20 episodes. Yeah. Where on earth were you with the busy restaurants <laughs> and cooking? Where did you find Filmed time? Filmed them all in a day. I wish. It was a marathon. Uh, it really was. Yeah. Um, and it did scare the life out of me, if I'm honest with you. Um, because you, you, you're, you're a solo presenter, and so you've got to really make it work. And every day, you know, we, we, we filmed for about 40 days over about three, three months last year. Uh, and, weather was and nice though. It was good. It does get a little bit stormy as the show goes on because it goes in all the way into autumn when we were filming. But I, I, I just really enjoyed it. Really did. It's a kind of showcase for British produce yeah. and, and uh, it was all Monty Don meets Tom Kerridge it was, sort of, it was a, is quite that the a way you of, pitched it well no but there was quite a lot of <laughs> not sure about the Tom Kerridge <laughs> right, somebody else some other famous show you alright Monty Don meets yeah. you it, it is a yeah. lot about I mean it's not just a small garden this is a farm you've got yeah. there in there 
It's three things. It's got it's far, it's farming, growing, gardening, mm. and cooking. Of one one of the three, I'm good at, and the rest I'm there to learn. <laughs> Basically, it really. I mean, it's a great show. I mean, food's at the heart of everything. You know, we're in we're in the here we are, Talk Sport headquarters. Yeah, sport food. You can't do it without fuel. Food is fuel. That's very true. And one thing I've learned is that homegrown produce is very special. And I know not everyone's got a lot of time for it, but if you can, you know, plant a herb or do something to help yourself, it really does make your food taste better. Were the people in the series people you'd worked with in the past, or have you been introduced to some of them through doing the series? Mostly all all new. Mm. Uh, A couple of people came back from the first series to see how things were moving on. The first series was about me going out there and discovering and learning about part of my industry I know nothing about, which Mm. is growing and farming. And I should, but as a chef, but like a sports person, really. When I when I'm in in my at my peak, it's in the kitchen, and I've been in the kitchen for thirty seven years. And so the last sort of six seven years, I've ventured out a little bit and got to sort of understand the supply chain of my industry and the people that are the real heroes. We are mm. just part of the chain, um, but there are some amazing small suppliers mm. and also the community. You know, you see you see you see sports people, and they've got a community of people that are around them all the time. Mm. Um, I, you know, the, the communities are all over the place with food. But we just don't see them because we head into our supermarkets all the time and we miss the real artisan suppliers that are out there. And I just mm. wanted to highlight them. Sorry to bring up Tom Carriage again. <laughs> he's a good he's no, a good egg. But that show his show inside the world of hospitality, yeah. it's just the dedication and the hard work to be a top chef. It's, it's massive. It's huge, but it's yeah. it's sort of, uh, it's your life and your dedication is exactly what it is. Yeah. And to get to the top, you have to put everything to one side. You have to sacrifice your friends, your family. And as I say to my family, I was a chef before I was a, a husband and a father. Mm. And that's the way I've always been. And my family are very much aware of that. It's that single-mindedness or the selfishness of a chef or a successful cook. You have to have it. That you, you you have no option because there's no there's no life outside of cookery. It is what it is, and you build your life around that job. Mm. It's, some... it's a tummy. Michelle Rujini was in that chair about a month ago, and we were talking. Of, I was saying, do you, do you do you ever go home and relax by watching The Bear or Boiling Point on TV? <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that very much. Yeah. I doubt but that. he was, you know, it is pretty flat out. And then, like three days later, he announces he's closing the Gavroche. He can't. You know, he just can't physically keep it up anymore. He wants an easier life. Do you ever feel like that? I think I think there's a time comes for all of us. Uh, Michelle, I worked there in in the nineties. He was a mentor of mine. Um, it's a fabulous family, and you know, the world's moving, and the world's moving at a very very fast pace. And social media and everything, the way we live today, has brought everything so much quicker. And you know what? I think everybody, you know, has to have your day. And mm. they've been in the sunshine for forty plus years, and they're an amazing family. It is a shame there's no legacy to continue the Gavroche, mm. but it is the way it is, and he should be very proud of what him and his family have done mm. for the country of cookery because without the Rue brothers, a lot of us wouldn't be where we are today. So we mm. hold him in the high esteem. Yeah. I mean, you do corporate work, don't yeah. you? I mean, we saw him at Cheltenham and it's it's massive, this. They take over a kitchen with yes. their staff and everything. It's huge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. I do some stuff with Compass <laughs> and Wimbledon. I have a training programme. And like Michelle, I have a lot of things I want to do outside of the kitchen. And having spent all my life in kitchens... I now can find the time to go out and do things. I love mm. making television. I love mm. coming and doing radio. I just love getting into other people's world. I love the brilliance of bringing things together. You know, behind you two, there's a whole wall of people 
putting this show together. Well, there's a few people out there. <laughs> yeah, there is. There's, there's a yeah, couple there's of the wall of there's there's a wall of <laughs> two wall of shame. Yeah. <laughs> two walls of people. I don't know. said wouldn't keep a free kick out of that wall. Talking of which, you, you are a Liverpool fan, and I was watching a, a clip. Well, taking a few years ago, uh, Nico Williams and uh, Jalen Shakiri both doing a little bit of cooking with you yeah, down the line. They were cooking pizzas, weren't they? I hope they were oh, pizzas. That was hard work. That was like, trying, trying to get that. They like, natural chefs, were they? Wrong? Trying to get that lot motivated. <laughs> yeah. My goodness, I mean, I've done some. I've done some things online and, and, and Zoom calls, but that was a tough one. But I, uh, yeah, I'm a Liverpool fan through and through. Absolutely, yeah. It was a great pleasure to work with them and just to do a, do a little bit of cookery. But it's them promoting, you know, keeping their fans interested in what they're doing outside of the football pitch, which is always good to see. Have you come across players with an interest mm. in, in sort of what you do in cookery and stuff? You can be you know, footballers, yeah, footballers. Not really, you know. I, I'm a I'm a Liverpool fan, but mm. I'm a fan from home. Uh, and every now and again, I get to go to stadiums. I my it drives my my family crazy because I love the commentary pre post. I love the games themselves. I am a, I am a football fan and a boxing fan through and through. Right. With my backside rooted to the couch. <laughs> so boxing, what, what, I love it. What what kind of got you into that? Was I was an amateur boxer from the age of nine. Oh, really? Yeah, right. I boxed from the age of eleven. I went. I was in the gym at nine with my big brother, uh, competitively. So I was an amateur, and that came to an end when I when I went came to London at the age of seventeen, eighteen. Um, but the, I love the discipline of boxing. Mm. And as as a young lad growing up in the northwest, I was never really a sports player or a team player I loved individual sports because I didn't I always felt that if there was a team around you there was a possibility of failure and so in, in right. ki- I, that's where I found in kitchens I very much was an individual at the beginning of my career mm. and boxing is about yourself in the ring mm. um, and, and I was around boxing gyms growing up all the time and also, I, I, I knew Frank very well. And uh, Gordon, when I, was, when I was partners with Gordon Ramsay, we used to head up to Manchester and we used to watch Ricky Hatton whenever he was at the Manchester Arena. I've watched more Ricky Hatton fights than, than any other boxer live. Oh. And then we just got busy with family. And when family come into your life, your mm. Saturday nights are taken up with putting your kids to bed and, and, and watching the yeah. football with them, you know, along mm. with the sports part. I suppose so. that thing, that's the psychological, it's quite interesting, the idea that you didn't want to be involved in a team sport because you're relying yeah. on other people. But, of course, in your business, especially yeah, when kitchen. you've got a number of restaurants, it's such a team effort, isn't it? You, yeah. you, you know, you, you, you have to delegate. That's where I struggled <laughs> a lot. And you can't be good at everything. Mm. And, you know, cook chefs... We're not, we don't go to university to learn about man management skills or go on courses. We, we, we leave school, we get into a catering college and we go mm. to kitchens and we learn on the way. Yeah. Uh, and, and sometimes it can trip chefs over. But one of the hardest parts of the job or in any job is man managing other people, understanding yeah. people's needs, even more so today because we have to be aware of the mental welfare of the people around us. Mm. In my day, that wasn't even a conversation at yeah. all. Uh, and thankfully, the, the world has moved on and cookery's moved yeah. on. It was a harsh atmosphere, the kitchen, it's wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, for me, yeah. you know, it, 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 I, I actually loved it. I loved the adrenaline of it. I loved the discipline. I, I loved working hard. And the, the aggression that was in the kitchen was something that I personally fed off. Um, and it, it, it was then. It's, not, it's just not like that anymore, though. And, it, you know, in a good way. But I, I did like it. You saw your strength. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, you saw sorry, your yeah. strength last night when you were holding. You, you decided you had to protect your ducks and geese. Yeah. And that, those geese, the I mean, geese, that, yeah. that, that, that they're big look, things. Yeah, you had to. They, you have to hold them with protect their heads. them from what? With well, yourself, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the heads backwards. Yeah, backwards. Otherwise, you know, they have yeah. a go at you. It's great. Wow. You know, all the different animals we get on the farm. I mean, it, it's miles away from sport, but it's it gives me a space in my mm. head. It gives me the opportunity to get fresh air. It gives mm. me clarity by being down on the farm and being with the animals. It's a small holding, more than a farm, uh, and just doing things outdoors. Really, you know, when you spent your whole life inside a kitchen. 
pretty much like you two in this studio. You mm. don't see fresh air or daylight. No, we no. don't. <laughs> Just a little bit of daylight. A little bit, a little bit yeah. of daylight. It's not as warm, perhaps, when the air conditioning packs up, which is every other week. So, um, I mean, boxing is great for fitness and obviously, you know, mentally keeping sharp yeah. physically. I mean, do you still do a bit? You've got, you got a little gym at home that got, keeps you sharp? Got a little gym, got a couple of bags. I love mm. a workout. My, my, my two boys do too. I love, the, I love the fitness of boxing. I get out. You have to have a go on our punch ball. Oh yeah, on the there. way out. Yeah, Some famous names on that. Yeah, that's a few good. There. You mentioned Ricky, by the way. A friend yeah. of mine has just interviewed Ricky for this new documentary on Sky, and he says it's absolutely brilliant. It's. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's had his ups and downs. Ricky's yeah. had some tough times, and yeah. but uh, but you know those nights when you get, oh. you go to those nights when mm. it, when in his pomp must have been amazing. There, there are very. I mean, there's a lot of sports fans out there. You know, you, you see all the boxers with their fans. You know, Joshua can fill out anything at the moment. But sports fans for the boxer rather than the entertainer, mm. I think Ricky, Ricky Hunt for me is hands down the biggest, the whole fan base, yeah. quite like no other fighter, uh, who are, were there for Ricky. The whole yeah. MEN stadium, NEM, National Even, yeah, Manchester yeah. News back yeah. then, was just unbelievable okay the 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 anthem that he came out to blue moon which is wasn't one of my favorites i'm not i'm not not a man city fan but it did the hairs on the back of your neck when that was playing Mm. and ricky used to come out into the arena was quite extraordinary and i was there i was believe it or not i was in madison square gardens watching prince nasim fight and ricky hatton was the first boxer on that bill when prince nasim was boxing world title Mm. fight in 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 in, in madison square gardens and i was out there with gordon now their sons are fighting yeah yeah, Yeah, i saw that so it's good to see them and um you know it's good to see that you know i love nigel ben sarn okay it's not great at the moment but uh you know chris eubank jr and watching ben and eubank in the days they were special nights on television when i was growing up but you know muhammad ali in the early days Mm. they were rare fights But there were special nights uh, in front of the TV. Absolutely. I've said before, you, you used to work at Aubergine, didn't you, with Gordon Ramsay yeah. years ago? I went there when I was working at Chelsea, the old man, Ken Bates, took me there. He, he, he said, uh, come on, get your coat, we're going for a meal. And I thought, that sounds, where's he taking me? Yeah. And he took me to this lovely restaurant yeah, that you just, worked in in just Chelsea. Off, just off Full yeah, Road. Because mm. there was a client there and he, he wanted me to come along. So I went along and the maitre d' was the Frenchest man I'd ever heard. This was about <laughs> 1997, 1997. Mm. I thought no one can be that French. No, doing Fred. That. Wasn't French that's Jean Claude. Jean Claude. And I was Jean-Claude. so sure he went out the back and he went two fish, two steaks. <laughs> I thought this day he's probably from Canning Town. There's no way he really. It's a little bit of this, and it was really. It was yeah. so French. He's a bit like. He's a little bit like. He was a little bit like Raymond Blanc. He's lived yeah. in this country for about thirty odd years, but he's yeah. a Frenchman through and through, mm. and cannot yeah. lose the accent. It's just. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean yeah. when you say that. It just <laughs> just brings a big smile to my face because I trust me when he came in the kitchen. No. He was a Frenchman. He was Trust still. He was. Well, that's good okay. to know because well, I always good. wondered if <laughs> yeah. if he was a Cockney and he was just putting it on. It was that, brilliant, but it's great to know that he was French in the kitchen. That was well. a restaurant and a half, and that yeah. was the SAS of kitchens. If there ever was a kitchen that mm. was all about discipline, that mm. was that was Gordon. I was the very first chef he employed there, and I was his second chef. Yeah. Uh, and after that, I left and went to Paris. But that was that was the best of the best of his time, and, and that was the hottest kitchen in London and the hottest restaurant at that time. Did he teach you to swear or did you teach him to swear or were you both pretty good? We were both pretty good at it. Um, but in, in, in his kitchen, I had to keep my mouth shut because I was second in command and he was the boss. I mean, he was our leader uh, and everything he said goes, you know, and you just kept your mouth closed. Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, it rubs off on you. It did. We were young and we didn't really, we, you know, we didn't really care too much. We were just all about the perfection of cookery and that's all we were interested in. And we'd go through as many brick walls as we could 
to put the best on a plate. Yeah. Lunch yeah. after lunch, dinner after dinner, day after day, week after week. So, so there's so. things that you wouldn't do now that you did then. You look back and think, yeah, you, we couldn't do that. No, anymore. no one wants to hear raised voices anymore. Nobody needs to be to be sworn at anymore. And I think over the years, what's really interesting in the kitchens. If you go to a lot of restaurants and cafes and bars, kitchens are open places now. Yeah. They are not the yeah. back of house anymore. They're open. And so kitchens have calmed down, they've, they've quietened down for, mm. for, in a good way because we've not, we don't need to shout and scream anymore. And what's changed is we've changed the way we cook. We've used science a little bit better. Mm. We've taken the human, human error out of the equation. Listen, the only reason why anyone shouts is only when something's going wrong. You don't shout for the fun of it. No, yeah, if someone's yeah. cut a corner, which chefs don't like, or someone, you see it on the football pitch. Mm. Manager is only shouting when something that he doesn't like. Sure, and it's exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, but I think what we've done, we've, we've we've moved on a little bit now. The the walls are broken down, and the kitchen is now part of the restaurant experience, which is which is fantastic. Mm. So, Marcus, uh, Tales from uh, Kitchen Garden is uh, available now. If you missed it last night, it's obviously on iPlayer. And, and how many episodes you sent this series? We've got twenty. The first one went out last night, so yeah. we're running for the whole month. Um, watch it, tune in. It's it's a mm. good little bit of relief. It's it's a it's a fun show. Yeah, it's good, fantastic. Well, lovely to see. Appreciate you coming in. My pleasure. And continued success. And uh, we'll see. How are you feeling about Liverpool this season? Good. I mean, that was a great. What, what an amazing. Oh, come Back. I can't yeah. believe I, I was, was. Near, I was not going to get out of the studio without bringing that back. Yeah. I have to say I didn't see that coming, no, and I'm really chief Chuff Nunes because last season he 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 wasn't quite hitting the mark and he wasn't quite hitting the back of the net. That's no. for sure. He's been put on the bench and he put something together on on Sunday that was very special. And I really hope for him and for Liverpool that that's the beginning of this mm. position where he can cement himself in the middle there because we need it. Yeah, it's got to give him a lot yeah. of confidence. They did well going down to ten men. The way they approached the game the way they stayed in the game and then yeah. Yeah. eventually they yeah. started to become was, the better uh, team they needed incredible. it they needed yeah. to turn it up at that particular point and maybe that 10 men woke them up a little bit which is mm. a little bit unusual but I'm fingers crossed I enjoy watching them excellent lovely to see you Marcus thanks Thank very you. much for coming in my pleasure Marcus we're in there as we said his uh, series Tales from Kitchen Garden on BBC2 the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, the guests keep on coming. Like a conveyor belt today. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Hamza Shiraz in the world of boxing, mm. Marcus Waring. And now um, joining us in the studio to chat about his autobiography, That's Entertainment, is the former Fulham West Ham and Blackburn centre half, Tony Gale. Good afternoon, Tony. Lovely to see you. Paul, lovely to see you. Yeah. Andy, lovely to see you. Last time Thank was you. at Cheltenham. We saw you at Cheltenham with uh, with Tony Cotty, and yeah. um, you gave us you gave us a, a, <laughs> a dog to have a bet on. Yeah. Actually, reluctantly, because you said this is the nap of my life, and you'll only curse it. And we said, Tony, we won't curse it. <laughs> yeah, we so did. we got on it, yeah. and it lost. I'm going to blame Cotty for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he told us. He said, "Don't tell him." He was saying, "Don't tell him." Well, it's a very entertaining read. So mm. it's a lot, some great stories in there. You are on the after-dinner circuit, and I'm sure some of these stories come out now and again because you've got some... I mean, some of the people you've played with over the years, my eye immediately went to your period at Fulham uh, when you played mm. with uh, Bobby Moore, George Best, and Rodney Marsh. Yeah, the uh, chapter entitled The Three Amigos. Uh, mm. Paul, my author's back there, Paul Zanon, and uh, I mean, he had as much fun as me doing it. It was brilliant. But when you sort of go back chronologically and you're trying to do it, I mean, you'd lose all kind of shape yeah. and purpose yeah. away again. But thankfully, he kept me on track. But those years there, God, when you're 16, 17 years of age, you think it's going to last for you all your life. But yeah. Uh, Probably the best stage of my life. <laughs> I mean, you were talking. I mean, you you said all three of them were just amazing, and obviously Bobby would have been a bit of a, a hero. And you talk about him giving you a lift in his yellow jag and stuff when you were a young player. Yeah, I mean, he was different class. He was what I would call footballing royalty. I had him down like that. Best, he was just world class. And and Rodney was there was a lot of them at the time. Mavericks, but he was a footballing maverick. So, you know, growing up with the three of them. You know, not being best bowels and all that because I was 16, 17 yeah. years of age. But um, the the guy who was at head of the apprentices, like, come up with a suggestion. I didn't realise. He said, like, Bobby is going to East London. I lived in West London, Pimlico. Can you give Tony a lift home a couple of times? <laughs> and, of course, it was for my mentoring, mm. which I didn't realise. But, mm. you know, I'm sitting in the car. I don't want to say a word, do I? 1966 World Cup captain. And, you know, you're just silent the old way. Speak when spoken to. But yeah. when I got out and all my pals were there, you know, sitting on a wall, all out of work in Looper Street, I got out and said, see you tomorrow. Same time next day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you said, you said that um, George Best had a little bit of a party piece that he could just, he, he was like a magician. He could just, you need to turn a light switch off. George could just do it with a ball. He could just sort of aim for what you and just, just it, flick it off. Exactly. And uh, dimly lit Craven Cottage there and he would just ping the ball at the light switch, turn it off, <laughs> turn it on, sorry, turn it on. And then yeah. when we said it was lucky, back heel it and turn it off. <laughs> of course, we tried it and just destroyed the changing room, didn't we? <laughs> I mean, you played against some really great players too. I mean, who who was the best? Who was the trickiest to face? Well, as a central defender, I suppose the best front two was my old manager at the end of my career, Kenny Dalglish mm. with Ian Rush. I mean, there was all striking partnerships around then. Mm. Football's changed, hasn't it? It's gone 4-3-3, three, three, 
four five one or whatever you want to call it. So you're playing up against one striker. So you're in as a centre back, you're in comfort land, aren't yeah. you? Up against one. But when you had two, you know, it was you know, it was it was so difficult. Gary Lineker, Graham Sharp, Ian Wright, Alan Smith, but Russian Dalgleish would have picked Archibald and Crooks, I've got to mention. Yeah, today. of course. Well, I don't want to give you the Dixon and Speedy. I'll bring yeah. you in as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you always winding me up about Chelsea. You are, you, oh, you wind yourself up. What's the matter? <laughs> you're a, you, you admit to being a Chelsea fan. Twice you could have gone to the club. Before you went to West Ham, Chelsea came in for you. Before you went to Fulham, they were interested as well, weren't they? Yeah, that's right. They was interested when <clears> I was <throat> at school, <clears> so <throat> they wanted me on associate schoolboy forms. Uh, but I'd been at Fulham for quite some time. Yeah. But then when you start representing yourself in you know schoolboy if uh, you go through schools counties districts you know london trials england trials then everybody's noticing you so that's when they all started coming in but uh, fulham were the first to give me my chance so i stayed with fulham mm. at 16 you made your debut didn't you Were you 16 yeah, years old 16 years of age at leighton orient away against a team that included laurie cunningham wow laurie cunningham sure, absolutely tony Grealish, phil <clears throat> hoadley john jackson i mean you two are as old as me you'll at that age to play in a position like that against sort of wily old names i mean that's that what couldn't have been easy. You obviously were a bit of an old head on young shoulders. Yeah, I'd you? done my ribs in that first game and it was, I got suckered into it. It was They had Jerry Queen, I don't know if you remember him, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Derek Posse up front. Oh, oh yeah. He played So I'm 16, I'm getting a little bit of a, a bashing and Derek mm. Posse gave me one in the ribs and oh, yeah, so I had to play on a Saturday against Norwich, Ted McDougall and Phil Boyer. How wow. about all these strike yeah, partnerships? partnerships. Yeah. It's interesting. That's it's so, funny, you're true. We used to talk in twos about strikers. We do that less now, don't we? Yeah. Partnerships and pairings, that's true. Uh, talking of partnerships, so the forward, lovely forward by Jonathan Pearce, our old friend, and some lovely words, but that was a great radio partnership. I and mean, People around the country may not know that, but for London football fans, that stuff that you and him did for, for several years was great. I mean, I remember... I've spoken to you two about it before, mm. and you said you love the show, as I love mm. your shows, boys, mm. as well. You're true pros as well. But PSE was top notch radio, mm. like, you know, Brazilianisms to commentary. Like, yeah, so, brilliant radio commentary. So good, you know, mm. and like, you, you realise, you'll, you'll realise when you're at a game, if it ain't the best of games, you've got, still got to keep it alive. You can't have dead air on mm. radio. But uh, PSE was the best at it. But he basically taught me when to talk and when not to talk in commentaries. And then when I finished with him, yeah, you talk less on TV when you're doing TV because mm. the pictures are painting the stories. But picture, uh, Piercy was all, you know, he's very lovey as well, wasn't he? You know, it's all about we're battleship grey skies. We're here at Craven Cottage and all that sort of stuff. But he was like, uh, he said, we got to paint pictures, and that's what it was all about. But mm. we had so much fun as well, so much mm. fun. Because your career was probably sort of coming to an end, and it was him that gave you a call and said, you fancy coming to the 98 World Cup and doing co-coms? What a lovely thing to do. Yeah, that was our gig, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. I was sort of doing it a little bit part-time, and then Jonathan said, look, do you want to jack it in now? Because I was playing a little bit of non-league football with yeah. a good friend of mine, Alan Devonshire, because mm. uh, I couldn't play professionally, so I did it non-league because I had a dodgy ankle. And I said, yeah, come on, let's do it. And he said, well, your first gig is six weeks away in France. We went away in like a battle bus. Travelled around the country, and you know, I, I'm so grateful to what Jonathan done. I mean, mm. I'm, lu I'm lucky. I think I'm, I probably, I've been looking at all comms and co-coms, and we've done every final. We did it from the non-league final, now, and we've done League Cup, FA Cup, Cup Winners mm. Cup, Fairs Cup, mm. uh, UEFA Cup, Champions League final, 
World Cup final, World Club Championships, European Championships. We've done everything together. So one of the few that I think we've commentated on every final. And you still do TV co-commentaries. So you pop up on the sort of Premier League the feeds and stuff from yeah, the World Feed. Yeah. You ain't got one of them dodgy sticks, have you? No, no. no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, we're abroad. It's when I watch the highlights. <laughs> That's it, yeah. No, still through Sky, but it gets franchised through, throughout mm. the world, of course, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. So it goes on PLP productions. So still doing it week in, week out. And... Fortunately, I mean, football's given me everything. Yeah, I yeah. haven't been a day out of work. Well, we've got some other stuff uh, to cover with Tony Gale. His autobiography, That's Entertainment, uh, is out now. Get a mention. Uh, oh, who God. was he? Let's see, if you, <laughs> see if you can have a guess. Um, we've often done a thing on the show, Flanked at the Latrines. And the reason we kicked it off years ago, because I had a wee next to Bobby Moore, funnily enough, <laughs> at Wembley and Reg Drury yeah. from the News of the World back in the day. Three of us all lined up. What a, and anyway, so flanked at the latrines, you used to tell us your stories. You'll never guess, if anybody can guess, unless they've read the book in a million years, who Tony was flanked at the latrines mm. by. We'll just say he was a, a, a world superstar from back in the day. Yep. So uh, yeah, we'll leave you with that. Um, Talksport.com, text 1889 Shall we say they got no hope of getting it? Yes, let's say that. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's say they've got absolutely no hope. No oh, hope. Good. Uh, of getting there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll talk more with Tony Gale in a few moments' time. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Tony Gale is with us uh, in the studio. We're chatting about his autobiography, That's Entertainment, which is uh, out now in hardback, published by Reach Sports. Um, well, yeah, flanked at the latrines. We, we had a question the other side <laughs> of the, uh, the news headlines. Who was Tony Gale flanked at the latrines by? Um of a random one here from a uh, listener. Um, was it Fatty Fox, the former go- Chelsea goalkeeper? <laughs> Not that old, Tony. <laughs> Probably died in about the 40s, yeah, didn't he, or 50s? Earlier. Yeah, oh, anyway, it wasn't him. Um, tell us who it was. Well, there was a little clue. You get, you got yeah. no hope. It was Bing Crosby. <laughs> wow. And I talk about have a, have a double take. I had to keep looking over and, uh, you know, then, of course... He made me looking at me like wasn't it Christmas or anything like that? And I've got to say, he was a good shot. It went straight down the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew that was marvelous. I would imagine often when you're when you you know you're you're doing the business like that, you often sort of absent-mindedly hum a tune. So was Ben going? I think he probably was quite a tuneful. Anyway, we'll we'll move. Was he a little drummer boy? Now we'll move on. Um, so where should we go next? Swimming, Tony. You were a decent swimmer in your youth. You could have been. A, I mean, was it? Was you ever seriously going to take that up? I had a chance, and actually, mm. um, one of my young cousins, uh, Alfie, he's, he nearly represented his country. Just missed it by the touch. Uh, freestylist wow. he was so he just missed it but uh, I, I was doing it when I was a kid like mm. you know, a schoolboy so there was an Olympic trainer down at the local bars we were at St George's Bars yeah. Buckingham Palace Road anybody remember that one and um, well, she said that uh, you know because I'd won all the galas and things like that. You know, would you, you know you got promised. You, all your timings are spot on. You broke the London record. You've done this, that in the relay. But the the hours absolutely incredible. You would be up at five and six o'clock in the morning, and with the football, it wouldn't have dovetailed at all. So it had to be football. Wow. And the other great one of the great random facts from the book as well is that you got married in Westminster Abbey, Westminster Cathedral. Westminster Cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, <clears throat> it was <clears throat> sounds grand and it is grand but yeah. uh, it was our local parish so uh, basically that's where I was born Pimlico Westminster so mm. my mum and dad and her mum and dad got married there we had the kids christened there uh, yeah everything everything happened in the cathedral and that was Father Pat Brown 
and um, he was second in command to, to Cardinal Hume. So, wow. and actually sung at the wedding. Not the one yeah. that helps the police, is he? It wasn't Bing Crosby. On the afternoons, on the telly, it can't be the same Father Brown, can't be him. You also grew up with Paul Hardcastle as being mate of the station and the show. Yeah, it's funny because um, Hardy, <clears throat> Hardy or Curly as I called him. Mm, he's very Curly. So I, <laughs> I grew, I mean, you're known from Chelsea, weren't you? Oh, I did. Yeah, he yeah. Quite a few again, occasions. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a good lad, isn't he? But he, he was, he wasn't a very good footballer, I've got to be honest. But we used to play down <laughs> the, what we called the yard <laughs> there together, down the, you know, on the concrete pitches down at Tashbrook Estate. And Paul was there, and uh, also Steve Walsh, remember? Yeah, the DJ. Yeah. So Walsh, he weren't all that either. We suck him in goal because he was a bit of a lump. But Hardy <laughs> was quite Hardy was quite tricky. He was a couple of years older than me. But of course, as you're going on in your careers, you sort of follow each other's careers. Like yeah. Walsh and Paul Arcastle, they become very relevant in the, in mm, the music sure. business. And Paul, absolutely unbelievable. Mm. All the jokes about 19. I know you're waiting. Yeah, yeah, look, yeah, at, yeah. look, he's waiting in the wings. Yeah, yeah. He's waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's but, much more than that. It's but, very uh, talented. Yeah. He's done something for the book. Like, obviously, when you're talking to all your friends, uh, my author, Paul, wrote, um, spoke to him. And uh, his next book is with Paul Wildcastle. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Now, um, you, you're part of a footballing brother, the boys of 86, all much loved by West Ham fans, part of a fantastic team that took Liverpool and Everton all the way, finished third in the end, but even in the closing weeks, could still effectively have won the title. Pretty amazing a job you guys did so yeah I mean it, it, we talk, often talk to Tony Cotty about it you, you guys do keep in touch don't you and, and sort of get together when you can it's quite close knit you know <clears> you <throat> talk about all the team and virtually all of them you know and, and you can name like teams of the past you used to be able to name the 11 now mm. there's massive squads but yeah, you know our, our 11 was Phil Parks Ray Stewart myself Alvin Martin George Paris or Stevie Wolford Jeff Pike Neil Wall, Alan Demetrius Mark Wall Tony Gotti Frank McAvenny mm. Paul Goddard on the bench mm. but you nearly all of them were in touch with and and that's the camaraderie that you had you maybe lack nowadays with what happens and the biz, big business and everything in football but mm. we're all friends to this day yeah, you thought the key to that team, you're saying the book was the fact that you, you got on so well as blokes, you know, that was the, that was important, the way you played on the pitch. Yeah, and there was that, unfortunately, there was that <clears throat> European ban at the time, <clears throat> you know, like when we did qualify for all the, the European college, uh, competitions, but the ban was on, and uh, it just came live halfway through that season. And we were the first one on when we beat Charlton in the FA Cup. And But the only one who got on the telly, because he was buzzing at the time, just our new transfer, was Frank McAvenny. He was on the Wogan show. Mm. So that ensured that we got in all the nightclubs in London anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, and winning the league with Brian, uh, Brian, with Blackburn must have been really special at the end of your career. Oh, it's just like, well, especially when you think it's going off, it's, you know, it's, it's tailing <laughs> off and you think, Oh, what are we going to do now? I was training in the summer with Barnet, with Terry Bullivan and Ray Clements, who were in charge at the time at mm. Barnet, thinking, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. Adolphus from Japan and America, nothing was happening. Then two weeks before the season starts, phone call from Ray Arford and Kenny Dalglish, you know, get yourself down to uh, Parkhead, play against, uh, play against Celtic in a friendly. Mm. Next week, I'm at Wembley, you know, playing in the Charity Shield against Man wow. United. and. The rest was history. And what they was... felt the squad needed an experienced player like you'd been around a bit who could impart mm. some knowledge to a young team, yeah? Yeah, and I think I just felt lucky at the time because Kevin Moran had just retired. Mm -hmm. So that was a big, you know, out for them. So they they had a relatively young side, if you have a look at the average age. Yeah. You know, even the likes of Shearer and Sutton were only 22 and 24. I think the oldest player after me was Colin Hendry, who's 27. Mm -hmm. I was 34 at the time, so... 
they did refer to me as old man in it. You know, <laughs> have a word with the old man in the dressing room. You but know. you played, what, 21 times that, that season, didn't you? Yes, loved every minute of it and um, and sort of half mentored the next one who was coming through called Ian Pierce. Oh, right, yeah. Who yeah. yeah. then went to West Ham. And Fulham. Yeah, and Fulham. So, yeah. Blimey, you obviously got a good word in for them. Uh, me and Morrow. We yeah. went from Fulham, West Ham and Capital Radio, so Piercey the same. Now, we had a high-profile sending off of a centre-half the other day in Virgil van Dijk for uh, Dingein a clear goal-scoring opportunity. Can you think of any other high-profile <laughs> examples of <laughs> centre-halves denying it? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, considering the rule come out on the Wednesday... This is, I, we should oh, say, really? for a history lesson right. for those that Tony played in an FA Cup yeah. semi-final. It was a... Probably would have ultimately been a Spurs West Ham final, but it was against Nottingham Forest. And Keith Hackett, former head of the referees, uh, sent Tony off, as you said, just after the sort of rule had changed. Yeah, on he? the Wednesday. So, in my opinion, and I ain't going to change it, he wanted to be the first one to impose the ruling, hmm. you know, and made a lovely name for himself. Well done, Keith. Uh, <laughs> you still haven't forgiven him, Tony, have you? Oh, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Never will. Uh, and I see, you know, he writes about refereeing now and I go, are you qualified for that? You know, who sent me off? <laughs> yeah. There's been, you talk about an opportunity to bury the hatchet. There was a situation where you could have, you, you could have had a conversation with him, but you've, you've sort of chosen not to. I did. Hmm. I, I went up, I did actually go yeah. up there uh, because what happened was um, they rung me up. It was a new thing coming out you are the ref.com mm-hmm. they said they want to choose me uh to do it and i said um yeah i'll come up there like you know which, why why you chosen me well you were the recipient of the you know the worst sending off ever we think and <laughs> we'd like we'd like you to come up and speak with keith hackett oh. i thought it was one of my mates taking the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> taking the mickey out yeah. of there, you know so uh, you're having a laugh and you come up there like anyway after like, all this and saying no I ain't doing this I ain't doing that they went well we'll give you two grand I said what time do you want my <laughs> <laughs> what time do you want me up there I've got principles <laughs> yeah that's yes. right yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. cash for the tax man <laughs> yeah, yeah so <laughs> yeah it's I mean it was it was a bizarre, I mean I watched it back and you're kind of he's going away I mean we don't want to re-referee it now it was a long time ago but it's Gary Crosby he's going away from goal so yeah. I, I, I can't see it in a million years. Going away from card. goal, I can still see it now. There's cover there. I've almost. seen it on my. I got home, put my Betamax on at the time. <laughs> <laughs> watched it. Uh, watched it all again. About 20, 21 minutes. Going away from goal towards the corner flag, and you know, we just both went in a heap. My instant thing was, have I fouled him or has he fouled me? Because mm. you're both wrestling to get yeah. across each other, and uh, it was untidy. I would say, yeah. at the very most. Mm. Anyway, I got sent off, and then. Uh, that I became infamous rather than famous. Yeah, and it, yeah, it still smarts clearly. Yeah, it's still, well, you, you, you it know. still gives me the ump. Yeah, I ain't, yeah. I ain't bitter about it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> so, what of the current uh, team? I think you know they've had a couple of very good results, haven't they? I mean, what, what do you do? You get down there a fair bit still, West Ham? Yeah, uh, when I'm not doing Sky um, and the PLP stuff, I, I'd go and work as a match day ambassador down there, mm. like rather like all the Spurs boys do down at Spurs. Yeah, and and you see at most of all the grounds now, so there's a lot of places that got you know for our senior players and they're employing us doing that but yeah I've, I've been impressed I mean I went out to Prague absolutely wonderful yeah. you cannot substitute what went out there wasn't the best of games probably wasn't all the best of teams in that in that competition yeah. but look 
champions of Europe. You know what we are. <laughs> yeah, you know what we are. <laughs> that is not I mean, Spurs fans would champions swap of it. the conference. And we know you, what we are. Champions of a European <laughs> trophy. No, no, come on, boys, come on. <laughs> the pair of you ain't had a good time the last few years. Well, he's had a slightly better time I've than I. Quite a good what, time, thank what, you very what, much. Yeah. What a good time at Prague, though. You, that is, yeah. That's like anyone who had a dry eye, who was a West Ham fan out there, is a liar mm. because that was mm. top, top time. It is funny the way they play, though. It's effective, you know. I mean, the, the yeah, we beat, Brighton, you. You, beat you recently, didn't we? Yeah, effective, so yeah. lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, even, you like, even David Moyes said Chelsea were the better team. They were the better team. One of your other great loves these they days were. is fishing, and you're obviously indulging in a bit now, aren't you? By yeah, the yeah. sound of it, but, I'm reeling uh, him in. Yeah, yeah, of course. But the, um, the, yeah, the the one the other day was amazing. I mean, Brighton are banging form. They're a really top team. Twenty yeah. percent possession, and yeah. and the goals were terrific. Yeah, I mean yeah. the finishing was great. I mean the way they've you know had a bad time against Brighton recently, I can understand the tactics. But as Moisey said afterwards, the football will improve. Mm. It's got to improve. It's got to improve. Yeah. I mean, well, the problem playing... comes if you concede the first goal. Exactly. You can't play like. I that. mean, you can't play like that yeah. against Luton on Friday because you'll be inviting a team on who yeah. likes to play long balls into the area and some in a break. So, I think you've got to pick when you play it against what teams. But the fans will want to see against the. Not top teams, but the other teams, a little bit more going forward. And I mm. think that'll come. You know, I trust him. I think it, you know, mm. it's taken us to that European competition victory yeah. that you mentioned in that. And the semi-final. Prestigious oh, yeah. In a way, the semi-final was a, a greater achievement because yeah. it's a more senior yeah. It's a long time since you two have seen them, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been Not a very really long time. It's, <laughs> it's only 2021. Yeah. They won the Champions <laughs> You were playing last. You were last. You were playing last time they got a European trophy. So... Uh, Tony, lovely to see you. Uh, great to see Thanks you. Thanks very much for coming. Can in I that? just mention because Paul said, "Yeah, uh, I'm going down to." Wal- oh yes, I'm going to Waterstones Lakeside. Uh, Lakeside. I've got it here. One p.m. on Friday. Waterstones yeah. Lakeside signing copies of the uh, of the book. Yeah, so um, I'll come down and have a chat with anyone down here. All from yeah. the West Ham. Fans. Pop down and say hello and have a chat with Tony. And uh, yes, it's a it's a great read. It's a lot of fun. I mean, some really interesting stuff in there. But there's a lot of funnies. We never got round. There's a brilliant story in there about Phil Parks who uh, had a few drinks <laughs> didn't realise he was playing while on tour and uh, anyway it's, there's lots of good stories but so go and check it out uh, that's entertainment uh, published by Reach Sport out in Hardback now by Tony Gale The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast <laughs> Yes, good afternoon, Paul Hawksby, Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport. A fairly mad couple of hours, that a studio guest joining us. But mm. uh, if you've missed any of the show today, uh, we'll bring you the best of it on the uh, H&J, H&J Daily Podcast. <laughs> H&J Daily Podcast, <laughs> the way it tends to, say, to come out. But yeah, um, <clears> so <throat> yes, um, it's good to see uh, Tony Gow and, uh, and Tom there from Jungle and uh, Marcus Waring and indeed uh, Hamza Shiraz. Boxer who was telling mm. us as you're discovering the podcast what it was like to spar with Justin Bieber. And that'll be available around four o'clock. It's good. Now, yes. why did we get onto Italian cricket, as Andy? Uh, because why did we get? Can onto you remember? Uh, we were talking to somebody who played cricket in Italy. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's oh, right. I'm Andy in... Northcote, who yeah. was who batted for the Guinness Book of World Records and uh, batted for 50 hours and he played for Italy. So you gave us, how did you kick us off with? Ian Sistine Chapel. Ian Sistine Chapel, yeah. And uh, what was the other one? Uh, Jim Lake Como. 
Oh, I've had one. I've had one from Jeff Peters, which I must read out. Okay. Fairly amusing. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, a that, a scattergun. Take, that's a high well, bar. Well, it was a scattergun approach from Jeff. He, he gave us a few, but I quite like this yeah. one because it's a bit obscure. He says, uh, the Kent player, Jack Leaning Tower of Pisa. That's good. That's good. I like that, Jeff. Uh, one that doesn't work um, is it says here, Brian Lara, brain lasagna. I don't. I don't it sounds like a Frank. It sounds like a Frank Zappa album. You're welcome. Well, yes, welcome to I've what? a lot of David Milans. We've had Barry Richards with an eye. That's, That's quite very good. good. They've not put their names on these. Alan Lambretta says mm. Phil in Brighton. Um, gone right. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, Kevin Peterson. Nice. Yeah. Again, not putting their names on these. Venice Compton from Pete, of course. That yeah. was there. Um, what else have we got? You had Venice Amos, did you, Andy? No, Venice Lily. It was from... Oh, uh, Venice Lily. A reader. Steve, a reader. Steve, a uh, Mick in Hounslow. Good afternoon, Mick. Steve Palmerson. That's very good. Semi-Fredo Flintoff. <laughs> Steve Palmerson. That's good. That's yeah. very good. <laughs> Graham Gucci was obviously going to be there. Don Corleone Bradman. <laughs> Not sure about that. W.G. Grazzi, says Nick in Davenham. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. You like those, Andy, do you? That's good, yeah. Uh, That's we mentioned fine. earlier on, uh, who was buying, again, I, I can't remember, it feels like two hours ago, it feels like a lifetime ago, who was buying fish and chips? Oh, uh, Roy Bentley. Roy Bentley, the former mm. uh, uh, Chelsea uh, captain uh, back in the day. Why was he buying fish and chips? Because he lived in Ealing. Okay, yeah. And yeah. he was just queuing up for fish and chips. He fancied some fish and chips. I presume he was hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, we, we made the point that who's the current Chelsea captain? Who's your captain now? Uh, who's the captain now? It's Ben Chilwell. Do you, could you see... I mean, Ben Chilwell seems see quite... Ben Chilwell, I could see him yeah. che- queuing at the chipping. I see less likely, say, Enzo Fernandez. I don't see him queuing for fish and chips. He'd stand there with his... Uh, was it called? Mate. mate. Yeah, he'd have his little jug. <laughs> they carry him around everywhere, didn't they? they? Do, the little yeah. flask of mate standing outside yeah. the blue dolphin, whatever their chip is called, <laughs> waiting for his cod to be cooked. Could be. Five minutes. About five minutes, they'll say. You know, well, I need to go because we're kicking off now five minutes for five minutes of fish. I don't think footballers eat fish and chips, do they? I don't know. I mean, not probably not as a pre-match meal. Um, so what What about footballers then doing... Footballers now doing what they did then. This isn't quite one of these, but it does prove how things have changed. Ewan in Carlisle said, um, Ivor Brodis. You can't say that without saying it in the voice... Ivor Brodis and Johnny Cutter. In the voice of Melvin Bragg, <laughs> yeah. because they were two of his heroes from yeah. the South Bank show. But Ivor Brodis, Brodis, when he played for Carlisle... <laughs> he was England, on fantasy football, he kept going on about yeah. Ivor Brodis and Johnny Cutter. Uh, the uh, England international... Uh, went out with a girl who lived down our road. He basically tells the story of his dad would often get on the bus to go and watch Carlisle play, hmm. um, and uh, Ivor Broadis would get on with him. They'd have a chat, except uh, Ivor would go one way into the players' lounge and get changed <laughs> and go and play. Amazing, and this guy would go and watch. They were on the same bus going to the game. Times have changed. Again, Cristiano Ronaldo, unlikely to be doing that. Very unlikely. Uh, you can keep those coming. Talksport.com, hmm. text 81089. Tweet TSH and J, um, 0371722344. Anything this else? This a strange survey. Married football fans are most likely to play away from home if their team gets a 1 1 draw, a poll of love cheats. Wow. Well, yeah, uh, but yeah. why would that be? Is that because if, if you lose, you're too disappointed to be interested? If you win, you're 
you're too ecstatic. But if you if it's one one, you're sort of indifferent. You think, yeah. all right. I think you're reading too much into what is. I mean, a lot of these polls are really just there to get the company to do the poll a bit of publicity. Didn't mention them. Fair enough. Feels a bit crackpot. And uh, imagine the, it's a small sample. A whole load of uh, letters to the Daily I mean. Star. They're yep. all they're all sport related. <laughs> these you'll like these. I meant of people who took part in the survey. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> more in it than that. Sean Dyche, pound shop manager. Who said that? This is. His I thought bloke. you were having a go in. No, I'm not saying. I'm I thought you were being a shock jock after all these years. <laughs> yeah, but you turn into. Something. I get four hundred and fifty thousand hits for that. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. That's your job, by the way. <laughs> Sean Dyche, pound shop manager, says Nick to the Daily Star. When will he bog off or buy one and get one free? What are you talking about? <laughs> That's and a bit harsh. I mean, I he's working with one hand tied behind his back, or indeed both. And this one came from. TJ and Kent, thanks to ref Stuart Atwell for gifting us three points Saturday by allowing our two offside goals to stand and giving us a pen when Marcus dived. Mm. That was a Manchester United fan grateful to Stuart Atwell. It's really interesting that because (laughs) um, I was kind of listening to Talksport in the afternoon and there was I I, I thought when I watched it back, you Mm. you see that from two different angles. I mean, this is not an original thought; Mm. it's been forty-eight hours plus. But there is one definitive angle where you see catches the defender's thigh, Rashford. There's no way he could stay on his feet. He sticks a thigh out and he goes over the yes. thigh. It's not a dive. No, it wasn't a dive. I've seen much clearer dives than that and they get away with it. It was softish, but it, I think yeah, it was a pen. I think it was a pen, absolutely. Mm. Where'd you stand on the Van Dyke red card? Red card. So I thought it was a red card. Definite red card. I mean, he was yeah. through. He doesn't make that challenge. He's one-on-one he's with the keeper. through, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... I don't know what he was complaining I, I, about. I tend to agree. They won the game anyway, so mm. there you go. Did, uh, it was a great weekend's football, wasn't it? There were some oh, really, yeah, tremendous. really good matches and some very good goals. It was an exciting weekend. It was, it was great. Rat Boy has written to the... Uh... Never mind Rat Boy, who cares what Rat Boy thinks? <laughs> they're, they're Unless so, he's a new superhero. They're so funny, these people, though. Detore's retirement can't come quick enough for me. Sick to the back teeth of that flying dismount. Yeah. What now? This is someone... That's clearly Rat Boy was on another horse. <laughs> oh, Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> Rat boy had a bet on something yeah, else. Yeah, that's probably absolutely right. Yes. There you go. Anything else, Andy? I didn't really... Do you know that thing when you look at a player and you haven't heard the transfer rumour and you think that always happens to something? I didn't realise Adama Traore had gone to Fulham. I suddenly see him when I'm watching a match of the day and then yeah. there he is playing for Fulham. He had that chance did, right at the end, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. That Ramsdale saved. It was great to hear Kai Havertz's name not even mentioned once in the match yeah. of the day. Highlights oh, must have had a great game. He, is, he, he does seem to be doing picking up where he left off at Chelsea and just going yeah. out there and sort of floating, you, floating about. He's a in about any time within the next. How many he's had three games now? Any time within the next seven games, he'll have a game where you think, "What a player this bloke is." Yeah. Then there'll be another ten games before you think, "What a player is this playing? bloke is." Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the way he is. That's mm. that's the thing. But he fancies him, so you know, we'll see what happens. Um, who have you been linked with today? That's a transfer story involving Emil Smith Rowe. That's right. Yeah, mm. I mean, uh, I'd be surprised. So Arsenal you? and Chelsea do seem prepared to do business with each other in a way that probably Arsenal mm. and Tottenham, or even Chelsea yeah, and Tottenham, no, no. would. You've decided you're happy to work together, and there's a number of players that have gone either way. Yeah, but yeah, how do you, how do you feel about that? Would you... I, personally, I like him. I think he's a good player. But has he got an injury doubt about him? Is why isn't he getting a look in at Arsenal? The Emil Smith Rowe that was playing for Arsenal. Like, a couple of seasons ago, yeah, you'd, you'd take him in a heartbeat, but yeah. it might be a bit risky. 
They are being pretty ruthless at the moment. There's these stories about... I mean, that's the thing about Arteta and the management there. When they'll, they'll, there'll be calls that some mm. Arsenal fans will raise an eyebrow at, but that's, you know, they must trust the hierarchy. They've landed more good and bad. And so. The trouble but is... Gabriel it, is the other one this yeah, week. Yeah, we'll that, talk to Tim Vickery about that tomorrow. So You know, when you get close results and teams dropping points, except, except for City, I mean, they could have dropped points on Sunday, but they yeah. didn't. Found so, a way. Yeah, it, it's hard to see them slipping up. It's hard to see anybody else. Someone you've seen a lot of with your uh, Brentford season ticket has been linked to Manchester United today. But um, Rico Henry, yeah. yeah, I think that'd be a bad move for great move for United. Bad, bad move for Brentford. It'd be interesting to see though if he's in. We all think he should be in the you know the England squad. Really, yeah, down there, but you know he's really good. Um, and it looks like Jed Spence is off on loan. It's funny, isn't it? It's another yeah, he never manager. Got a look in, so you know. So he's off to Leeds. Another manager in uh, Ange Postecoglou has had a look at him, and, and maybe well, you can tell the managers right don't test your player. You know, it's, this next three days is going to be busy, isn't it? There's going to be a lot of players in. Yeah, it? no question. We'll be right across that on Friday as the window closes, and uh, of course we're, we're around the country, around uh, Europe, keeping you in touch with all of that. Tim Vickery will join us tomorrow and we'll be looking at some of the South American players. A couple of teams doing business, yeah, aren't Brighton they? Brighton have found a replacement for Caicedo from Lille. Carlos Belieber. Yes, that's we'll right. a song for him. I'm a Belieber. I'm a Belieber, <laughs> yeah, that's of course. Um, Forrest are about to buy a player from Corinthians. Um, I think West Ham are about to buy a striker from Corinthians as well, aren't they? Yeah, so, West Ham putting together a decent squad, actually. Mm. That's that's why I think, you know, like Spurs sold Kane and they've got a decent team, they've got a good manager. Then you've got money to, to help the manager. Yeah. It's, it's the same with um, United, if they... Uh, not United, what was that? Liverpool, if they yep. sell Salah. It'll work for them, I think. So you're pushing for Salah to go. It's a good idea. I, I don't think they can turn it down, not for that money. You know, not 120, 130 million. I think that's a lot of money. You know, you can do a lot Even with Even this late in the window. Well, that's They've true. They've got enough. Well, they have to bring, they're going to have time to bring somebody in. Well, if it, it's got to happen pretty soon if it's going to happen. If it doesn't happen, then maybe it'll happen in January. We'll see. Mm. Yeah, I, my guess would be it'd be, uh, it'd be January or next summer. But we shall see. It's going to make for an exciting last few days. Just time to say Cagliari Sobers, says Dan. David Gondola. That's not bad. I suppose to be Ginner. It's certainly better than... Uh, yeah, it's better than Brain Lara. Anyway, <laughs> brain, brain lasagna, brain should I say. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Where are the letters uh, saying, what about the nurses, complaining about the absurd amount of money earned by Kim C- Cattrall? Cattrall? Yeah, Kim Cattrall, yeah. For a one... <laughs> was it one minute, 14 second appearance on Sex in the City? It was amazing. It was ridiculous money, like a million dollars. But nobody ever says anything, do they? No one says, oh, why did she get that for a minute's work? <laughs> it's really annoying. Why do people only say this about footballers? Is it some sort of jealous? I don't know what it is, really. Why don't you Very write strange. a letter saying, oh, King Catrell, what no, about no. the nurses? I mean, what can you do? Maybe you're the person to do that. And Rebecca Vardy is cashing in on one of the most toy tedious pointless spats in history it's still going on she's uh, she's actually what she's done she's had the the actual trademark she's trademarked hasn't she Wagatha Christie she's mm, that's incredible. right I did see that yeah which is meant that they, I think this is new Disney series and they weren't able to call it that were it's they amazing they were it? able to call it a different name but you know if he, if he is not there, I've got time to do Reader's Trousers. Okay, yeah. I well, normally say these for the podcast extra. Okay, do you want to do Reader's Trousers today, Andy? Yeah, these are these are lovely. You can team them with your favourite jacket or blazer. These terrific trousers. Has anyone ever described trousers as terrific? Yeah. Well, yeah. Ter- well, what? well, I've never had a pair of trousers like one. These trousers are terrific. <laughs> <laughs> 
These terrific trousers will add style and comfort. It's alliteration, mate. That's how you sell stuff. At our ridiculous home shopping price. This is the bit that gets me. They're the perfect formal everyday trouser. Surely that's a contradiction. It, well, it is. They're either a formal trouser or an everyday Thank trouser. Thank goodness you're out there trying to <laughs> deconstruct people's advertising. Otherwise, they wouldn't know, would they? The flexible polyester cloth. Mm, you are. <laughs> it means when you sort of bend your knees and then straighten them, it goes back to sort of, you know. Pardon? The, there's no creases. Okay. It's flexible polyester. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I thought I'd buy a pair of those, and why not? Yeah. If, you, if everyone you read out, you bought a pair, and you could come in and model them for <laughs> us. That would be, be tremendous. That would be fantastic. Marvellous. Well, I could have, I've got my list. If you well, want. I know you've got your list, Andy. Well, we're awaiting it. We're waiting. Right. What are we going to do? We're going to be we're going to be looking at the Carabao Cup first as we attempt to talk. Rex, oh, and we're a bit of a movable feast by the good. sound of it. So. I'm pleased about it. Uh, who have you got in the Carabao Cup tomorrow night? Sort of Krakatoa, nice, easy Wimbledon, draw. I think. Wimbledon, I'm going. I've got a ticket. Nice. Going, yeah. Because I figured that uh, Chelsea aren't in Europe this year, so I'm, you know, if I want to see more football, I've got to go to the... Uh, I don't normally I don't normally bother with the Carabao Cup, but oh, yeah, yeah, I'm it's, desperate it's, now. It's That's why I've been reduced to it's it. A prime, it's a prime competition. I must say, I, I'm, mm. I'm not happy with the club, though, with this thing when they're taking away the... Uh, support for fans, everyday uh, away fans. Yeah, apparently it's two hundred and fifty grand a year. This what have they cost. done? There was a, there was a temp. Was it a subsidy? It was a for subsidy. Away yeah, and you just get a lot of bad publicity. Henry Winter was sort of talking about it, and you just think for what for two hundred and fifty grand? That's like you know th- four days of Raheem Sterling's money. You know, why would you do that? What what's the gain? Mm. There's no gain in that. You know, I just think it's really. Short-sighted and surprising. Yeah, and, I think and, our clubs sometimes do shoot themselves in the foot, don't yeah, they, all not, of them at great. some stage, a false economy. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Well, there we are. That's how it all unfolded this afternoon. I'll be here with Charlie tomorrow, and you're back on Thursday. Thursday and Friday, yeah. For the birthday spread, etc. So um, do hope you can join us then. If not, the podcast, as always, will be available at four. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.